welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. We've got a few good questions here. I posted today... Um, for those of you who are on the Knock On TV Facebook page, uh, the Knock On TV Instagram page is also a cool place to hang out um, or scan on your boredom at work because I try to post between the two. And we've got a great question here. Um, I don't know how to pronounce his name. He's got probably the coolest profile pic. Have you ever seen him? It's Michael. I think it's Lowry. Loggery? But he's got, that needs to be a t-shirt, yeah, doesn't cool. it? Yeah. That's neat. Your, knock on, your logo needs to be a t-shirt, dude. But uh, he's got a great question. This is going to be a Lucy question, too. Okay. It, was, it was intended, I think, for me, but he didn't realize you were there, too. But he said, Dud, um, you've talked in previous podcasts that when you lived in England, there were limited places to practice. Where do the girls normally get to practice? Um, and do they wish they had better access to their facilities like we have here in the States? Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what your uh, access to shooting is for like clubs in the States, but in Britain we've got like hundreds of clubs. So people don't tend to shoot in their garden. They tend to shoot, oh, sorry, yard. Garden. So we, so they shoot at the clubs. So Archery GB, they have like a list of all the clubs. So whatever county you're in, um, which is like our states, whatever county you're in, you can literally just Google on Archery GB, like where where can I shoot, and it will come up with like a list of your nearest clubs which tend to be like the maximum distance, I guess, would be like 14 minutes away. For you guys, I've heard is nothing. Yeah. So, nothing. <laughs> yeah, for nothing. us, it's like a lot. In wait, Where I come from, my island's nine miles by five. And we have two archery clubs. But are your archery clubs, do you have full access at all time, anytime? Some do, some don't. See, like, mine did Meriden is amazing. Um, oh, okay. And that's up in, um, up in the Midlands. Like they have twenty four seven access. Yeah, um, and that some, would be some ideal. Clubs, they have club nights. Yeah. So it, it depends where you are in the country and how far you want to travel. And at my local club, um, shout out to Blunderless Sands Archery Club. Um, I think I'm still a member. I don't know, but um, <laughs> lifetime. We member. we literally shot. I think once a week um, is when you could get in because. Um, Really, there was limited range, and the archery club had to rent, especially the closer you are to population, and there's not a lot of space outside, so the club had to actually rent the sports hall or equivalent to like our YMCA. They would have to rent the inside basketball courts for two hours on certain days. So we would either have to go there or we would rent like the um, at the indoor tennis facility and that was your time to shoot at your club. Yeah, that that's for indoor. For for outdoor competition, it's much easier because usually they're like local farmers fields that can be rented out. Okay. But for indoors, yeah, like you're saying, population wise. So where I shoot indoors is different. 
uh, that's why I'm a member of two clubs because it, one club shoots like Tuesday, Thursday and the other club yeah. shoots like Monday, Friday. So yeah. I can shoot like four days a week indoors. Yeah, so if you're in Europe looking to get into archery, um, really looking to clubs, there's a lot of great resources. Um, what's the UK forum? It's Archery GB, but Google it. Okay, Google it. But yeah, you can Google where you're at, archery club in that area, and you'll be able to find a cool club. And um, I was, you know, in England, though, the difference is here, obviously, we're, it's pretty cool today. Um, you know, you're not really preferring to shoot um, outdoors. And I think a big part of why our indoor shooters are so strong in the U.S. is because we do shoot indoors for several months of the year because of the weather yeah, so if you didn't have access to that it gets really tough yeah. um, when it comes to outdoor archery really if you have limited space which i had limited space in england um, i shot probably four or five days a week literally in the house um, i had a target that i set on the kitchen table um, and you know our house in england i would say if I was shooting from this wall, probably to that wall is where my target was. So I'd maybe be shooting about seven or eight yards. So that's, that's big for England. Yeah. Like most people shoot like five meters in yep. their garage or something. And in that case, um, blank bailing is really, really yeah. popular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, this is, this is important because, you know, especially if you're working on in, um, uh, tension activated release, you're trying to get away from an index finger release, yeah. um, utilizing those smaller spaces and really not worrying about the score and really worrying about the execution. Can, yeah, yeah. Can, I have a can, target can... in my conservatory. My mom hated that. She was like, don't shoot the glass. But uh, yeah, I had like just, it was literally two meters. Uh, what's that, like five yards? It was literally five yards and that's in the two conservatory. Meters. Yeah, it'd be, um, well, it's not five yards, but. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's, it's not quite five but um the next question here is from mike hawk um underscore eight nine one four and he's saying um for my wife shooting 42 pounds for whitetail hunting would it be better for her to shoot an 85 grain broadhead um to keep more speed or shoot a heavier 100 grain head bailey what do you think uh i would think uh heavier tip yep for weight on the arrow yeah for more yep for lower poundage shooters um this is the case with sharon and harry both um, both of them shot about 40 pounds for a long time and i always had them shoot 100 grain heads and i had them shoot 100 grain heads that had cut on impact tips yeah. um, so that you know penetration would be better um, and really, there's a fine line there between speed um, and then momentum. And a lot of times that heavier arrow, um, you know, there's, there is a crossover point. But I would say, especially if you're not really worried about speed, 15 grains in the front of your arrow isn't really worth enough to worry about the speed. So I would say that heavier tip is going to give you a little better FOC. It's probably going to fly a little bit better and you're going to want a fixed blade head. 100% you're going to want a, a fixed blade head at that poundage and in that case having that extra weight behind there is going to give you a little bit better uh, aero flight anyway. Um, let's see here. Uh, okay. 
Hey, Doug, I have a quick question. This is from Amger, Amger, a man? Yeah. Amger, a man, Amger 11. Amger, um, He's saying, um, I don't have a bow press, so how much initial setup can I do on my bow? I'm ordering a ProDefiant 34 and don't trust my local shop as I had had problems in the past. I figure I can get, well, he, mainly he's talking about what he can do himself. Knock point, D loop, adjust the rest, um, sight in my, you know, and leave the peep sight to them. Maybe add a couple twists to the strings and cables. What's your thoughts? From the bow mechanic, <laughs> double, double time bow shop mechanic. Yeah. What do you think? Well, I think, I mean, the bow press would be used for the timing yep. and then straightening up the peep. I yep. think those would be the two main things. And if you have the dropway core that goes into the, the power cable. Otherwise, if you're going to run like, if you run a, an elevate rest yeah, a limb um, that goes straight to the limb, you've got a bracket. So you can do a lot of that setup yourself, um, to be honest with you, and just leave, like you said, leave that peep site and then... Um, and any fine tuning you have, to, you know, for your bow, we actually had to shorten it, yeah. um, utilizing the string, which is a pretty valuable point too. But you can you can also buy portable bow presses, like they're quite popular. When when we go away for GB trips, the coaches yep. always take a portable bow press, like a porter press, the little screw ones or the um, uh, the center gym. Like the two to the hooks on it and it's the metal and you just wind it up yeah mm -hmm. so like that and they're pretty good so yeah i've used them on my bows before and yeah funny enough um you won't know who this is but that is what bill winky used up until lap two weeks ago i actually took bill express um he's a good friend awesome dude bill winky midwest whitetail if you don't follow him you should if you're a hunter um gives a considerable what I do for the the archery setup and form and target world um, he does that for the whitetail hunters and um, I took him an express because quite frankly he needs one but if you're if you don't want to do those last few steps like Lucy said there's a couple different portable presses that are good um, I know Lancaster archery has both of them that um, I think it's called the Synergym. Uh, have you seen that one where you pull it? You like pull the little pulley and you hook oh, it. It's yeah, really yeah. cool too. And there's also one on like a little. Yeah, it's really cool. If you look up portable bow presses, or um, for that matter, if you're here in the states or anywhere, you can call Lancaster Archery, and uh, those guys will take care of you and just tell them you're looking for a portable press. Making a few twists for your peep, or making a few twists twists for your cables. You can certainly do that with an at-home press. Yeah. If you're wanting to get a little bit more advanced, if you're wanting, yeah, like with us, that, yeah. change cam systems out, do full cable swaps, change yeah, out limbs, that like that sort of thing, you're not gonna wanna do uh, with a portable press. Um, have you done much bear shaft tuning? Um, no. Have you? I've, I've shot bear shafts through paper to just for okay just for starting all right yeah. so we've got um cannot pronounce pronounce your name dude um chan chai <laughs> <laughs> if i had been drinking all day you could blame it on that but i'm just can't pronounce it so he's asking about um 
bare shaft tuning and do I use this method, um, how else do you tune your arrows apart um, from paper tune, walk back, and the hill method, question mark. So you pretty much named all four arrow tuning methods on the planet. So I don't have a mystery fifth that um, no one knows about yet, but... What are you talking about? You promised us. <laughs> <laughs> but um, when it comes to what my process is for tuning, I, I'm not a big bear shaft tuner because I feel like the hill method is a more relative... Um, it's a more relative, important um, aspect of really knowing what your arrow does because I don't plan on shooting arrows without fletchings in a shoot. So I want to know what I can do to make sure the ballistic that I'm throwing down range is absolutely performing as best as possible. Today we actually went through a very detailed, I think it was detailed, maybe it wasn't, but it was. we kind of went through a detailed little um, a, classroom talk. There was a chalkboard. Yeah, yeah there, was a chalkboard. <laughs> there was a chalkboard, there was a laptop. Drawings. It was professional. Um, but no, we went through a lot of different things regarding tuning, so I'm actually going to let Bailey, let's see what you remember. What, how do I go about my arrow tuning? and my steps. Do you remember the way that I roll? Yeah, I know the way you roll. Um, so what John does, he'll, uh, he'll make different arrow combinations like what, four of each or something like that? I thought you knew. Four. Let's start with what I do first. What's my order of how I... Oh, how you tune? Yep. Let's oh, start okay. with that and then we'll break down to... Because you're okay, already good. jumping to what I do in the last. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> She's excited. So, <laughs> I got excited. Um, <laughs> so he starts with paper tuning because paper tuning gets you to a starting point. So you know if, um, if you have a bad tear and it's not changing, that means you have clearance. So you need to either adjust your... Not index your arrows or uh, change your veins to get that clearance. And then so paper tuning is a starting point. Then you go to hill. Is it hill? Yep. Yeah, it's hill. Which hill is, tuning. Which is really your hill method. Um, your hill method, which is something that I named years ago, um, something that I wrote about. I'm certain I wrote about it first. But really, the hill method is something that when I tuned and when I shot, what I pay attention to when it comes to groups is what your groups are doing on a horizontal plane. Um, because horizontal planes to me are immediate reflection of spine um, and how that spine is agreeing or disagreeing with the combination that you have in front of it. So whether it's a shooter, whether it's a bow, regardless, how is that arrow responding? So this is a big reason why I say I really believe in saying that I tune arrows, but I don't necessarily, or I don't tune bows. I believe you set up bows. I believe you can build bows, you can work on bows, you shoot bows, but you tune arrows. Um, but with that hill method, um, with you guys, I showed you through, you know, I document so much of what I do and I've got decades really of being able to show you guys a bow that I had, you know, there's a few back there that have importance or whatever that um, each one of those went through a hill series where, you know, 
I went through shooting them, adjusting the poundage on the bow to see how that, that arrow responded. And then um, you can take it one step more than that if you have the ability to, um, and actually even if you don't have the money to do this over the course of time, if you save those last two and three and four arrows that you have left at the end of the year, those are the things that you just start to, you know, put a rubber band on them, put them down. Because after a few years, like for example, Lucy has um, one particular arrow combination where you only, you only have four left. So I'm like, don't sell those four, just keep those four because what will happen is in a year or two years time when you get another bow and you're trying to see what works best, you're going to be able to have so two combinations there and a third to where you can put them all down range and then really take a look at how do those arrows respond in a horizontal plane. When they're responding correctly, that horizontal plane will, will come together so tight that you really know you found the, the best combination. Um, and I can get into that. I've got an article called um, The Hill, but I actually um, kind of touched it up a little bit, brought it back for The Hill Remastered. Um, which is an article that'll be out on the um, new website soon enough. Um, we're planning to launch the new website May 2nd. We'll be doing a live feed. Um, I'm actually going to have um, the web team here um, for that live feed. Fingers crossed, everything's ready um, to actually do a launch on the beta version. Um, and everything, if everything's a go, um, the, the premium members of the higher member platforms um, should have full access to brand new contact content that they voted for me to put in place for uh, June 2nd. So um, looking really excited at that. Make sure May 2nd, you guys mark your calendars for that. Um, but after the Hill method, then as my last French thing, tuning. Right, yep. French tuning. So what do we do? You start at about three yards, pretty close. Yep. Pretty close up, and you shoot a small dot, and you sight in your bow. Then you go back to, was it 50 meters? 70? Yeah. Yeah. 50 meters, far further back, and then you'll shoot a larger dot, about yep. yay big, and uh, you see where your arrows impact left and right. So if they're impacting to the right, then you move your wrist to the uh, le right. Left. 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 <laughs> yep. I'm letting these guys. Drawing. I'm with, letting these guys talk through, but so um, with, with this one, I always um I always aim at the X. Yep. When I go close to the, because uh, just I'm a target shooter, so I shoot the X at three yards. Yep. And then I walk back, but I don't move my sight. Correct. Yeah, You're you not supposed to move your sight. And then I aim at the X again, or yep. like I'm aiming at the mm -hmm. ten, and then I see where they go. Yep. But I, I always hang like a string down from that X arrow. Perfect. So I can see if they've gone left or right. Yep. This is great. You want to you wanna have a perfectly vertical line. So it's easiest for you to recognize as long as you have an aiming dot at the, you know, the top third of your target, you can actually hang a string or hang a line from that top dot. And as you go back to that distance, now if you have a program like Archer's Advantage, where you actually print your sight tapes. With your sight tapes, when you print off that piece of paper, there's actually a small little thing in the corner that'll have your short range conversion, right? Mm -hmm. So with that short range conversion, it's gonna tell you 
up close distances. So it'll tell you at three feet or four yards what your, you know, at four yards, what your site needs to be set at. So if you set your site at that, you can almost sight in perfectly with your site to where you're hitting right in an arrow hole at four yards. And then with that, it'll tell you with your site set at this, you're gonna hit dead center at four yards, whatever that is, it's probably gonna be between 40 and you know 50 meters or 50 yards. You're gonna be able to go back and keep your site in the exact same place as that, as that 12 feet or four yards and you're gonna be able to shoot. And if your arrows are hitting right, then you're gonna to need to move your arrow rest opposite. Uh, if your arrows are hitting left, obviously you move them to the right. So what this does is it tells you that if your center shot is off, the further and further and further you shoot, your arrow starts to continually go further and further away from center up close. Now there's a couple things that are really critical here. One, you can't shoot on unlevel ground. Okay. You don't wanna shoot on side hills. You want to make sure your sight level is always down the center. You want to make sure your bubble's in the center of your level. And you also want to make sure you don't have crosswinds. Any type of wind, you know, really look at, make sure you're making good shots. If you're making a good shot, look down there where it is. You know, shoot several. If you shoot six arrows and three, you know are great shots. You look down there, those three are left of the thing. Then move your arrow rest a little bit. A little bit goes a long way, opposite of where your arrows are hitting. Tighten your arrow rest back down, and because you moved your arrow rest right or left, you're out. You're, you're going to have to go back up close, and you're going to have to move your sight right or left, depending on where you moved your rest, to where you're sighted in 100% again up close, and repeat the process. When you're able to hit the same vertical line at 12 feet versus 40 to 50 yards you know that your center shot is really on track. I have a question. Okay. So you're talking about uh, the hill training, which is horizontal lines. What does it mean if your arrows are grouping vertically? So you're saying you're sighted in and you're stretching up like this? Mine tend to do that. Yours tend to do that? Yeah. Not anymore, by the way. Not anymore, but um, back in yeah. back Let's back three that, days ago. Let's back that they were thing doing up. That. So, yeah, so... Um, when you have a vertical string, that's going to be related to a few different things. Um, most commonly is going to be knock position or your arrow rest position. So if your knock's high or if your knock's low, it changes how that arrow goes over the rest or through the rest. And if it's not utilizing the arrow rest to stabilize the arrow fully, then your ups and downs can vary. Um, next is going to be your actual like stiffness of your blade. Um, so if your blade is weak, meaning your arrow kind of bounces on there a little bit, then that can have a, a variation high and low too. Can you go grab my bow? Yeah. Um, the other thing is the actual angle of your blade. So this right here is ideal for your blade angle. That's about where I set mine. A lot of people make the mistake of setting them too stiff. So when your, your blade is stiffer like this, when it starts to get flexed and the arrow comes off of it, it kind of does that. And a lot of times when it pings up and it's very vertical and pings up, it can contact your vein. 
So it'll tick the back of that arrow and you'll start to get highs and lows because of porpoising, right? Um, with yours, when you came here, you're, you were actually, um, some of your problems was because of contact. Um, let me think. Oh, I need one arrow. Is there an arrow close? Yeah. Sorry. Um, so your problem was because of contact. What, with Lucy, um, you can hold that for a second. Okay. With Lucy, I noticed on her lizard tongue, on her arrow rest, there was noticeable marks on kind of both sides of that arrow rest. And what's important about that is it identifies that the arrow isn't just contacting on one side all the time, it's contacting on different sides. And I know from how your arrow is, it wasn't because it was pushing both veins past at the same time. With your situation, you are actually making the mistake of not properly checking your knock indexing. So your knock indexing, the position of your knock, and you can rotate your knock, and as you rotate your knock, you change your position of your veins. So with Lucy, some of her veins were when she would knock the arrow. Sometimes the bottom right vein would be down like this to where it would contact the rest on one side. The next time it could be down like that. You weren't paying attention when you shot arrows down there and you're hitting arrows. You didn't spend time really inspecting those arrows on your way back to the target. So, and is that, was that causing the high? Yeah, numbers? absolutely. So, when you're hitting the back of that arrow, it causes this arrow to go up. So, now you have this. Yeah. So, when you have porpoising up and down, certainly going to cause that. So, knock height, blade tension blade angle are all relative to up and down. From there, you can also get into a number of form issues, heel pressure, yeah. upper pre you know, wrist pressure, peaking of the arrow. With you, sometimes when you started to collapse, elbow comes down, release breaks, arm comes down. So this is coming down, this is coming down. So sometimes those highs and lows were because of that too. Same with Bailey. So Bailey has, um, if Bailey's missing, Bailey's misses are high and low. Um, they weren't relative to anything regarding tuning, maybe more so form breakdown. Again, when she started to hitch, rear elbow comes down. When that shot breaks because she's pulling through, this is the natural reaction coming down. So. That was important. Now, lastly, I'm gonna hold my bow up for this because this is actually, I'm gonna to have to turn this way. Sorry, everyone, my stabilizers are taking people out. But um, for this, I actually switched, this is my indoor bow, um, but I switched to the Superdrive 23s. This is the new Easton shaft. Um, and I went with um, a Pro Max, a three fletch Pro Max AAE vein. Um, with a Easton, I think I can't remember if it was 100 or 120 in the front. But anyway, I switched these arrows, and with these super drives, um, it has a unibushing that chokes down to a G knock versus my indoor arrows were actually an S knock. So this could be something that a lot of people make the mistake of. I'm actually not really proud of this, but I just wanted. I was kind of excited to be able to shoot with you guys. I didn't want to go out shooting uh, 
600 grain 2315s, so I built these quick. But um, because I switched to a slightly different knock, my knock pinch is slightly different. So um, you might want to come in here and uh, take a close-up of this, James, quick. Watch the microphone underneath you. But you can see here that there's barely some movement here. See that? Half a millimeter? That right there is enough to where if when I knock this arrow, if I'm in this position here where my knock is, my arrow knock is flat to the bottom knock mm. one time and then the next time I knock my arrow, I'm right there. That's the difference of me shooting out the top of the tent at 50 meters versus me shooting in the center of the tent at 50 meters. Or if I sight in like with this arrow down all the way to the bottom, then also the next time I knock the arrow on there, I shoot out the bottom. So it's literally from the center of the X to about a quarter inch out of the bullseye at 50. Um, that is the difference. And so um, I knew it wasn't the best, but yesterday as I was shooting, there was times where I'd have some highs and lows. And I'm yeah. like, wait a minute, what the heck's going on? So then what I had to do for this anyway, is I had to really knock it on, push it hard against the top, and then I could maintain my groups. But realistically, the best thing for me to do is it to remove that bottom knock and you know keep my top knock because that that really keeps my tune um, and this is a big reason why i like double tied knocks because i can remove this bottom knock and i can just literally tie a new knock between there maintain everything i have and slightly adjust my knock pinch um, which is kind of the last thing um, that can really affect highs and lows in porpoising. Um, so let's get into that. There's another question here that was good. This is actually Lucy's um, field of expertise. Um, Lucy is a professional trainer. Um, you have a degree in... Coaching and sports science. Coaching and sports science. So... Um, any exercises that you'd recommend for smaller people to get stronger for compound bow strength? Okay. Um, got anything that you can show yeah. people? Well, I've, I've actually been, what do you want me to do the exercises? Yeah. What now? do we got right here? Anything like simple? We could do push-ups. Okay. We that's could do a... some push-ups. Um, I'm not going to do push-ups right now. <laughs> Those are pretty so easy I'll show, to I'll, show, I'll show you how to do some push-ups, <laughs> but I've actually been writing a series of articles for this, um, and I've started writing for Bow International. Can I so, get them now that they've been published? You can from Archery UK, and I will load them up onto my uh, Facebook page. Oh. I'll make sure I do that then. I'll um, reshare that. And then, um, yeah, and Bow International, I'll just start doing, like, more fitness ones. Okay. Um, but, yeah, okay, awesome. I'll show you a push-up. Let's see or this. press-up. Yeah, let's um, see this press-up. The main thing with, um, with Archery, obviously, is you want to use your triceps as well as your biceps. Um, and there's like a little muscle that runs straight through the joint here. So as soon as you see these people that do push-ups like this, you're actually going to like, it's like a cheese grater. Like it's going to grind that muscle. So you want to keep your elbows down and in. So I do that by... For those of you who listen to this podcast, Lucy's thumbs. on the ground in plank <laughs> position. So I do that by having my thumbs pointing outwards slightly. So like towards the camera. And you want to bring your chest down to the floor and then come straight up. Nice. Get a yeah. sniff of that concrete right there. <laughs> yeah. Solid. That is an awesome push-up. 
It is do, my job. Do one more, Lucy. I'm <laughs> going to picture more. that. <laughs> yes, that's awesome. Hold it. Hold it. One more. Hold it. Oh, uh, again? <laughs> yeah, do another one. If you're gonna, if you're gonna do some archery workout, we need to get there. Solid effort. I'm, that is dynamite form. Yeah. What about for the back? So we've strengthened, <laughs> we've strengthened the front. Now my favorite exercise for the back, and we don't have an Olympic lifting bar here, which I'm gutted about. Get a steel mace. No. <laughs> Grab a steel oh. mace. It's weighted on one end, but you can make it work. How heavy are these? Oh, they're not that heavy. It's just a steel mace. Vikings use them. Okay. Anyway, imagine this is an Olympic lifting bar. My favorite exercise at the moment, apart from a pull-up, but you don't have a pull-up bar. No, coming soon. Okay. Um, so Tim Collins. These are called bent over rows. So basically, you want to keep your back absolutely flat, so you're using your core. Um, you kind of go into a straight leg deadlift position. Bend your knees off. And then you're just pulling straight up to your chest. Back is flat. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy is Lucy's cranking out some rows. Yeah, what about if people have a single dumbbell? Or what if they have a kettlebell? What if they have a kettlebell? Oh. Like this here. So you could do the same with a kettlebell? Yep. So this is what have, I got. So Chuck really you want a around. bit of a lower bench. Oh, you want to put one arm down? I want to put one arm down. Okay. I can use a step. Huh? I can use a step. Yeah, nice. Get Grab hold of this monkey right step. Or a tire. And then you can literally go into the same position. Oh, perfect. Flatter back, please. There you go. So the angle of your back. Let's get in here. Well, you, you the can, so Arnold Schwarzenegger says parallel to the floor. Mm -hmm. So obviously everyone loves Arnie. Yeah. Uh, but the UK Strength and Conditioning Society say just above parallel. So anything from just above parallel to parallel, you're fine. The difference is that angle. Different activation of muscles. Right. So the more parallel you get as you come through, you're, you know, you're going to pull a lot more here with this lap versus when she goes up higher, she's going to engage more of the rhomboid, which is perfect for archery. Um, it'll be heavy with this kettlebell for her, but one um, slight variation that you can do so that you actually kind of do more of a, a true archery motion would be to, if you're in that position, you can bring your elbow out to where you know, because when you draw your bow, you're not pulling in like this. You're drawing like this. So if you can bring, and I know it's not for, oh, for yeah. so if you bring this elbow here, just for this particular movement, you engage more of the rhomboid and the trap versus when you're here, this is more of a lat and bicep. So I would, I would say just like with push-ups, you know, you can do the push-up like Lucy had there, or if you bring your hands well, tight. Okay, and she was there. So if you stay tight, or if you come in tighter with the elbows, you bring in more of the inner pec, more of the tricep. With these, if you're bringing this elbow up here, this is a little bit better motion, or you can pull here. But it can put more damage. On or, that. huh? It can put more damage on the AC joint. Which way? 
if you're coming out, because any kind of lateral movement here is putting more damage. All right. Don't. That's just my don't professional do opinion. Don't do the professional opinion. <laughs> but yeah, rows are super easy. You can just like grab a tire, get the back flat, pull right up. Right? Yeah. Easy. Yeah. What else we got? Pull-ups are my favorite for the back. Um, I do a lot of squats, so I do a lot of like leg stability stuff because I'm really short. Like I, I kind of struggle in the wind if it's and it's always windy and. Brittany. Deadlifts were dynamite. Deadlifts for back retraction as well. You can deadlift with with a calm. Yeah. So okay. you should be able to do that. Uh, with the deadlift, you want to make she's, sure you back She's got power. Flat. She's like into deadlifts, and this is important. Deadlifts are a great overall body strengthener, strengthenizer. That's an official word. I invented it. Um, with Lucy, like we had talked about earlier, her shoulder was coming in. She was hyperextending the elbow, starting to rise up. So when we moved all that down, for a lot of people, that small change in the scapula position would have had a big effect. Like you've been here, you shot, you've shot a lot of arrows since that change. Most people, that would have been it. They would have shot 10, 20 arrows like that. They would have struggled. But with Lucy, because of her deadlifting background and her overall strength in the back from that deadlift motion, she was able to make a form change and not have it affect her practice time here, which is yeah. critical. So show us on so, the calm. With deadlift, uh, it's the same position as the bent over row. You want a nice flat back. Um, you want to pull your shoulder blades back. So a little tip is if you actually roll your shoulder blades back into place, you're in a perfect position. You kind of want to bend over the bar. Um, bar, you want to bend over Kong and bend your knees. So from there, weight drives into the heels. Nice. And then you lean forward, bend the knees, and the weight's going to your midfoot. How heavy is Kong? Um, I don't know. He looks happy though. Do you even lift, brah? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone should have a Kong. You want another one? Are we, do are we double Kong in? Well, <laughs> you can, yeah, if you like, double Kong, Lucy or Solomon. You can double Kong. Here we go. Nope, Kong is Kong. Let's get that power going. Perfect. And at the top of the of the deadlift, and the same with a squat, you want to really squeeze your ass cheeks together. <laughs> so that's Wait, what's a that word? Tip. Ass cheeks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or I like to say pinch a penny. So pinch just at the top. Okay. Yeah, looks good. Perfect. All right. I'll put them back. Sweet. She's going to put Kong back, and we are going to continue this podcast off the live feed. Uh, we actually have two chickens in the grill with um, beer cans up their butts, <laughs> and we're going to go enjoy some awesome food. Um, we're going to try to avoid a potential sleep coma, and then... We're going to finish up on these questions with the podcast. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. You guys, come in here.
say hi and bye. Hi bye. <laughs> hi bye. <laughs> Bailey, what's your Instagram? You need followers. Um, we um, don't need followers, but you guys should follow her because she's awesome. She's it's at Bailey Smith twelve. B A I L E Y. Yeah. Smith twelve. Yep. Uh, and mine's at Lou L U bow and arrows, or you can just search L O S P T. Wait, what? What's that? So L O S P T is my business. So it's L O S for Lucy O'Sullivan, and P T physical therapy, PT. or nice. pension pennies. <laughs> <laughs> pension pennies. All right. Thanks everybody so much for tuning in. Hopefully you learned something. And dang it, Bailey, you shot a two ninety nine. Yeah. Two in a row. Sorry. You deserve. Maybe tomorrow. No. For sure tomorrow. Yeah. All right, everybody. Check you later. Thanks so much for tuning in. We're out. 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 Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. Knockonarchery.com.